Coming up on this week's Redcast. Regulators have really doubled down on data quality. How do you get those moving set of facts described in a way that we can all understand what they mean? to me is impossible without actually getting to open source. There's this lack of uh, strategic thinking and it's really about the tactical implementation. There's tons of money here. What, what is it that's breaking down? Why aren't they putting the resource into fixing this problem? The cost of uh, reconciling this, understanding disambiguating uh, the modeling is is but immense. If you're a firm and you're, you find yourself in a position where you need to re-architect or remodel your uh, your data, you should really use this model because it is going to help you to have this uh, the, the, the traceability, understand what's happening on, on the life cycle. Welcome to Redcast. I'm PJ Marino, CEO and founder of JWG. And we're moving back on this episode to a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. Uh, we're going from technology as a risk itself to how does technology help overcome the problem of transparency to the economy overall. And I'm really pleased to have Pierre here with me today. Pierre, why don't you quickly introduce yourself? Hi, PJ, uh, I'm Pierre Kovacs. I worked uh, at Endava. I've been uh, with Endava for uh, two years now. Uh, in previous roles, I was uh, head of uh, risk and uh, regulatory technology uh, at Daiwa. I was also the CTO of a, a FinTech called uh, Orchestrade. So many uh, backgrounds in, uh, in technology and 25 years of experience in uh, banking and capital markets. And, and, and another Regcast listener that we had the chance to bring on to the platform for, the, for this conference. Absolutely. Big fan. Thank you. Well, th th thank you for following along. Anyway, let me give you the background quickly. We'll get into the, the questions as we see them because we've been doing a lot of preparation and research in advance of our, our, our conference on the 7th of February. I, I think the, the, the question for us still comes down to how do we overcome the 2008 failure due to transparency? Uh, and, and regulators are, are you know, have placed a lot of burden on firms to produce reports that, that really don't quite cut it. And there, there's been a lot of discussion about what's the right model for firms to uh, display data to regulators mm. and the way regulators should explain what data they need. Um, the most pressing area for transparency has been derivatives. So in 2017, 2018, a group of international regulators got together and agreed with, with the standards bodies a set of fields. Now, those fields are being rolled out now. They, they include things like What's the, uh, how do you identify the transaction, the UTI, or how do you think about the product or UPI and those kind of critical things one needs to know to be able to control risk in the system. Um, the, the data hasn't really been up to scratch and lots of different reports have, have come out and, 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 uh, and illustrated why, but regulators have really doubled down on data quality. You know, we've seen a whole new effort with these new standards to get a lot more precise about what's necessary to be able to make sense of what's happening in the system. At the same time, things like the risk data aggregation uh, principles have been reinforced. So people are looking for up-to-date data lineage back to the source of where did you, where, you gave me a piece of data, but where did you get that from and how do you prove that that's right? Um, we also have efforts from regulators in the US, Europe, and UK to completely redo the system 
to look at the Data Transparency Act in the, in the US by 2029, the EU data strategy by 2028, um, in the UK transforming data collection program. And so this isn't an area that's gonna stand still for long, um, but it's not, it's not balance sheet data. You know, mark, mark data about the market, market data, it, it reflects a constantly moving economy and a, a whole set of innovation that really is hard to describe. So how do you get those moving set of facts described in a way that we can all understand what they mean, the, to me is impossible without actually getting to open source and, oh. and actually having a, a method to be able to exchange, this is, how, this is what we think we're talking about. Um, now, the Bank of Italy has done a lot of good work in this space and, and helped summarize where we are in a big report they put out last year. They really came away with three potential models for how do you actually implement machine executable reporting. The first model was make the banks uh, create a mandatory layer of data which can be aggregated you know, by the central bank. So force banks to actually you know, pull data up for, uh, for, for their regulators. The second was having a non-mandatory uh, layer, which was the bank's problem. And they had to figure out how they wanted to aggregate it. And then the third was uh, actually a, a very standardized layer like the common domain model was sent to the cloud. So everyone had to work off the same data. Very different types of solutions, but it all gets down to one question. What's mandated by whom? And what happens if I don't do it? So I, the big question for me, Pierre, here, you know, coming back to your, your experience, is what does it take for a firm to even think about any of these options today? And, and what, what, what's, what's the typical uh, approach to upgrade their mm. current infrastructures to be compliant? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's that's a big question, and you're. I mean, you're right. The the regulator seems to be always asking for more data, for more context, and there's a bit of balance to strike as, as you know what you're you're going to receive and what you might need in the future, to maybe to investigate or to to do the proper market oversight or uh, by the FCA or have the, maybe the Bank of England to use also these data for for other things. Uh, so, what does it take for the for the firms to to take this the this a, a good approach? Um, so, in my experience, since you're asking about my, my experience, what we see is there's there's still a lot of uh, uh, firms where uh, where regulatory reporting is allocated a budget because well, it's mandatory requirement. So there's a mandatory budget, but often it's a very minimal budget. And sometimes there's not even like uh, dedicated uh, regulatory teams. You know, sometimes they need to find some volunteers from uh, from other teams. So that's 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 what I hear. And there's a sometimes there's a bit, bit of frustration because there's this lack of uh, strategic thinking. And it's really about the tactical implementation. So how do I get you know through the uh, the next uh, regulatory change, and uh, which means that uh, then later on you have to deal with some uh, remediations, uh, remediations of the of the previous regulation, and um, I think that's that's the idea of yeah. If we if we can move to a more uh, strategic approach, try to think think ahead to get these uh, um, uh, regulatory requirements done cheaper. And faster, 
and not just when uh, when the regulation changes, but also when your business changes. You know, maybe you're going to want to trade some derivatives that you you were not trading earlier, and you need to adapt your your reporting for that. <clears throat> so I guess I guess Pierre, that's the that's the big thing, right? Which is that you, you, the this process of reporting sucks up an awful lot of resource, mm-hmm. a lot of expensive resource at that. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, you need you need people very deep in the market activity mm-hmm. to get together, talk about standards, agree, and and, and report. Um, it, it, it boggles my mind that, we, that your opening statement was you know, that they don't put budget into this because there's tons of money here. What, what is it that's breaking down? Why aren't they putting the resource mm-hmm. into fixing this problem? Mm-hmm. So I think because well, uh, one of the reasons is also because the problem is not uh, is not just at the regulatory function level, right? If you, I think, if you had, uh, for example, if you had the uh, the perfect uh, investment book of record, cross asset with all the data aggregated, with all the model problem modelization, with uh, your product, your events, your uh, your your the contract. If it all if all this was mod- was modeled properly, and then you could build on top of that your regulatory reporting, well, it would be extremely extremely uh, fast and cost effective because you you would immediately have the opportunity to mutualize. Across the different well, regulation that you you mentioned, I think you uh, well you didn't mention, but uh, we were talking about uh, EMEA, MIFI, uh, SFTR, uh, BCBS three three nine. You were talking about risk, and and so there's there's a problem because I think there's there's also your uh, the legacy, and you have there's an impedance mismatch bet- between the way the you're modeling your your models, even internally between your different maybe different business lines and how the other firms are doing that. And how to re- and then suddenly there's a, a, the cost of uh, reconciling this, understanding disambiguating uh, the modeling is is but, immense. But it, so it is that model that's that's the problem. There there are it's not it's the model and it's the, the ability to have one model that's the problem. We have lots of different mm-hmm. models in each of the silos. Yeah, right, exactly. And there, you know, there's uh, we we can see well, standardization is is very powerful, and we see that. Some of the data standards have you know, been uh, a really uh, fantastic progress, whether it's a uh, FIX, FPML, ISO 222. Uh, but there's a need to to go maybe you know one one abstraction uh, above this to have this common uh, domain model. I think that's that's why you you were you were getting at and and having uh, this common model and more importantly. Uh, and when we say common, that means something that everybody in the industry can focus on. And when we collaborate, because in in the past historically it's been relatively difficult to to collaborate on these on these topics for for various reasons because it's it's complicated to to share some of the the data that are that needs to be anonymized because also it's to some extent some people see that as a competitive advantage, etc. But yeah, but, but we're the, not sharing the data, right? We're reporting it to absolutely the party. And I guess that's the bit I don't understand. So we've had we've had a language called FPML that mm-hmm. that's been out there for decades, right? It's never really been adopted in mass because each firm wanted to do it slightly differently. You know, it doesn't make sense for regulatory and and for clearing and for settlement and the things that you do together that you actually need to have a common model. Yeah, absolutely. I really believe that the. The power in this uh, in this common model, even if it's we well, it's, we're still in the early days of, of adoption. We started 
I think it's uh, 2017 or 2016. But now we have, uh, I think there's all this, uh, this, this infrastructure, this governance. We have ICMA, ISDA, ISLA on top of that. I think now everybody is able to contribute to this model, to this uh, open source model. And disability that we, we crystallize our efforts in and focus our efforts on this model. This is, I think, this is the the the, the power of this uh, this common model. And and I think this also the you know what I've seen. I had to implement. I built several several systems and portfolio management systems in, in in my career, and I've seen how they change over over the years. And you know, thirty years where swaps were like. Uh, um an exotic product you would you would keep your product in your in your portfolio until maturity and there was relatively little you know uh, uh regulatory reporting well that means that the systems were also relatively the modeling in the in these systems were, was relatively simple now we we have you know all the we need to deal with copyright actions uh where all these life cycle events uh partial termination step in step out that happens all the time right in the product and this common model is is has the the answer to that you know the way that's one part that i love in the in the, in the common domain model is the way they model the uh, the events and i think that's very powerful and i think that's even you know internally if you're a firm and you you find yourself in a position where you need to re-architect or remodel your uh, your data, you should really use this model because it is going to help you to have this uh, the, the, the trustability, understand what's happening on on the lifecycle yeah, of your I guess product. That's, that, that's the big difference here, right? It's it's not a data model. We're not trying to force no. everybody on a common data model, and I think no regulator would ever want that because that would create infinite amount of risk everywhere if everyone was working off the same view of the system. But what this does then is gives you a way to glue things together, if I listen to what, what you're saying. So ultimately, it gets down to what how standardized is that glue? Mm-hmm. And, and, and are the regulators going to use the glue language when they come in and talk to you about where uh, some of the data and what, what they observed and are able to actually trace that back through to the underlying systems? Do you do you think there's enough of a push right now from the regulators to adopt this glue? It's still the uh, the early days, uh, but we see. I think I think it's going to, uh, you know, as there there's more collaboration, as we see these artifacts and the different implementations being uh, made available in the open source system. I think this is what is really going to uh, to help the uh, the adoption the adoption. How much the uh, the regulator can push on that? Uh, that's that's a good question. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I think what what I've seen is the regulators reticent to to actually endorse this as a particular language to talk about the rules that they've created. That's maybe a it's maybe a step too far right now. Mm-hmm. There might be something that we can change down the road, or that they would look at changing. But that that leaves us in a position mm-hmm. of having a tiny bit of uncertainty. What, what I, I guess what I see, and when I talk to different firms, I'd be interested in your perspective because you also talk to lots of firms, is it's the ones that are most uh, invested in re-engineering, re-architecting, that are they're paying the most attention to the common domain model at the moment. 
you know, the ones that think they have everything sorted and they've mm. got their, you know, they're, they're probably, they're, they'll take it in, they'll think about using it as a risk model, but mm. they're not going to do like a wholesale adoption exercise right now. Is that the mm. kind of perspective that you would share? Yeah, no, ab absolutely. And again, and again, I think there's there's some value in the common domain model beyond just the trade and transaction reporting uh, problems. So I think that's that's what also the, uh, we need to, to come to that that realization and uh, and the problem of exposing your your data uh, in in a way that is going to be flexible is not just in in the field of transaction reporting. There's a, there are firms that have invested in their in their data architecture also to expose their data to their clients and their client and and you don't necessarily know what what your clients are going to want to see what data they're going to want to see and they try to to go through this more uh, self service uh, model. So. I think this is this is exactly uh, you know the the the, the same uh, same trend. Uh, the, the problem is yes yeah, is where where do you start right? Because we need to be uh, to be pragmatic. We need to be <laughs> to be realistic here. Every firm has their own you know their the, the core legacy. Maybe they have third party systems that are relatively close, uh, uh, and maybe they have different you know business lines. So how do you uh, how do you start to this this first step towards this uh, this, this common model, and and also the you know one thing that maybe we we haven't rediscussed really one thing that is really also important is often the legacy system are just focused on the on the the data, and they tend to to forget about the the metadata. And you you, you were talking about you know data lineage, uh, being able to. Uh, to track the or the, your, the the life of your of your data and the uh, and the source of your data, uh, but there's also you also want to be able to automate uh, a lot of things on top of this or, or policies and uh, and this is going to this is where you're going to need your your metadata meta and your that means you also need to to think about the uh, the architecture for your. Uh, your metadata. Uh, that's one thing that is, and you can, there, there's plenty, plenty of AI power tool that can help you to do the, the heavy lifting to, to do the, the first step in that, in that direction yeah. as well. And you know, the, the, and the, when we talk about CDM and DR, there's a, there's a big emphasis on, on the ontology layer. So understanding the, the semantic of the, of the data and avoid the ambiguity. You can have, sometimes you have, you know, I've seen how many models I've seen where, you see the word user. What is the user? Is the user the user of the system? Is it the investor? Is it what is it? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And you know, we, we we need to avoid that. We now we have having this this ontology layer, understanding the relationship between the, the entities. It's it's extremely it's it's complex. Uh, but if we if we manage to crack that, you know, once once and for all with this uh, with this model. And again, there's there's plenty of, of tools and, and AI can help a lot. To do the heavy lifting for you, uh, I think this 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 is achievable. I think this is uh, this is definitely the direction to go. Yeah, and I, I think when I listen to you talk, I, I I hear echoes of all the chief data officers I've been speaking to in the past year as well, because I think they're looking at they're really excited. You know, the the data community gets a lot out of the common domain model because it gives them a reference point, it gives the way to talk about the business, the events. You know, and they they've got their data models. You know, they they've got their clouds. They have they have their lakes. They have all the stuff that they need. What they need is a those reference points, and they need to be able to turn around and prove 
that the the information that they have is is up to date and valid. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, this this is a this is a boon for the the data community and, and really should help them bed down a lot of the practices that we've been talking about uh, being a bit wanting over the years. Absolutely, I think that's that's also one that's that's a domain that is really exciting because. If you manage to to build the right uh, reporting model, I mean that that means that you you have a system that is well, is secure. You know you need to control the uh, the access that is uh, that is resilient. You want to make sure that it's also you you will meet your uh, your your timelines that is that is robust, scalable because the volumes just just keep increasing plus the, the history of, of data. I mean you 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 almost pull all the the quality attributes that you want in in any perfect system. So I think that that's why I say it, w- it goes well beyond just the, the threat reporting. I think it's really anchored really in, also in deeply in the in the data strategy, data management strategy of the of the firms. Yeah, and 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 ultimately it's 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 not the story doesn't end here with these derivative reports. Right. And and we will have plenty of other conference topics on where we'll be talking about the prudential reporting and the 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 IREF, the integrated reporting framework, and the 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 banking industry reference data program. A lot of the prudential statistical side is all very excited about. And there's a there's a fit here because there's a as we talk about it at the conference, there's a crossroads, right? There's the all the all the transactional information needing to be observed from a from a higher level a, a higher perspective. There's ESG as well. I mean, I know during the conference you're also going to talk about about ESG, and the ESG is such that that's such the a uh, good example of where where there's the need for standardizations, where we're trying to to harmonize the the, the, the taxonomy, and and you know, and you don't realize that some data, you know, they have reports of a different time period, etc. And so, I, I think, yeah, I think that, that, that's that's really that applies to to all the the, the, the domain in general. Yeah, and, and we've had tremendous response to the the research we've been putting out in our hackathon last year on on ESG using the the the, fin- the Finos Legend platform. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it is a, is a great way to think about how do you roll up all this data quickly using open source tooling. So, yeah, completely uh, agree. There's a reporting as much as there's an AI theme across the conference. There's a reporting theme this year. <laughs> and, <laughs> exactly. and it all, it's all underpinned by data. So and th- those are really the three big things that uh, we're, we're looking to get out of the conference this year. But th- I think we're I think we're running short on time for this this discussion, Pierre. Why don't you sum up for us? Well, what are some of the key messages that that you'd be giving to people that are on the fence about whether to come spend the hour to mm-hmm. watch one of the panels? What, what, what what's what's your call to action for? Hey, come leave your office. Come to this, come to join us on the seventh of February. Uh, so I think you, you get more than you than you expect. I think you you get answers to more than just the. I mean, uh, if you come to the the, the trade reporting panel, you probably get ideas that go well beyond the the, the trade reporting. Probably with a uh, also how to deal with a uh, uh, with a, the core legacies, um, and and uh, yeah, I, I mean uh, we uh, at Endava we we do. We can help with uh, with review, with uh, with building, with testing. Um, so we'd love to to see you all there. Thanks very much, and and uh, we will have booths there. There'll be lots of good chances to talk to to people that really have dirt under their fingernails in this space. And I'm really looking forward to the three banks and uh, uh, and the trade header 
folk that have been working on the common domain model on the participating on this particular panel. But that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much for, for listening and please follow up with regtechconference.co.uk. You'll find all the research for the, the topics we've been mentioning there. We'll put the link in the show notes for you, but also then look out for uh, more our mailers and our LinkedIn's uh, to help get you there. But we'll look forward to seeing as many of you can as we can on the 7th of February. Thanks, Pierre. Thanks, PJ. Thank you for listening. And if you've enjoyed the content, please like us so more people can join the conversation. Download all our episodes via all the major platforms. Come to the JWG website, which is jwg-it.eu and follow our LinkedIn groups.